0: Welcome to day five. It is day five of the the category management funnel. It is Wednesday. Welcome to today's Sticky Learning with me, Nathan Simmons, and Andy Palmer, resident expert on category management. As always, we're just gonna give it about 30 seconds to wait for the last people to arrive in the room, and then we are gonna crack on. Good afternoon, Colin. Good afternoon, Fabian. Good afternoon again, Michaela. Good to see you. Thank you very much, everyone, for being here. Good afternoon, Gemma, just joining the room. We're just going to give it a few more seconds and then we are going to get on with today. But while we're just waiting for those last people, on a scale of one to 10, one being terrible, 10 being phenomenal. How are you? How is your day? Let me know. Let's see how people are feeling on this fine Wednesday with the glorious sunshine.
1: And he's a 10. That's good.
0: We've got an eight coming in from Colin. Thanks very much. Right. I think it's time to get this show started, Mr. Palmer. Welcome to today's Sticky Learning Lunch with me, Nathan Simmons, and Andy Palmer. Idea of these sessions is to help you be the best version of you in the work that you do. Coming from MBM Making Business Matter the provider of leadership development and soft skills to the grocery and manufacturing industry and we couldn't be more pinpoint and more niche when it comes to category management in this space. We are hitting day number five of the funnel and this funnel lovingly known as the 73% funnel because the reason why is why it's helping you to highlight why 73% of your opportunities your category management opportunities never make it to store and we've been breaking this down for the last five days four days sorry day five today Andy what are we covering today
1: today Nathan good afternoon no today we're covering selling those opportunities so building on everything we've done back end of last week beginning of this week we've got our targets we understand our shopper we've got a good handle on the channel that we're uh, presenting to analyzed all our data and we pulled together our very succinct presentation so today's about making that stuff land with the buyer the person at head office that buyer so we've got a few things to share with you today that hopefully increases or hopefully will increase your chances of success when you've got that opportunity to be out there pushing the recommendations that you're suggesting so without further ado um i'll share one thing straight away with you um Cool. About four years ago, the IGD ran a, an industry survey, and part of this capability and partnership survey, he said that too often trust is the single biggest barrier to getting proposals into action. It comes back to trust. I've mentioned it a little bit over you know, the last few days. We've certainly talked about credibility. So today I want to really bring to life what trust is about for you then to consider how trustworthy am I, how trustworthy is my team. Could this be one of the reasons why we're not getting our recommendations across the line? We're not as influential as we could be. So, we're going to talk about trust um, in true blue, left brain style. I'm going to bring this to life uh, using the medium of a formula. So, bear with me as I lovingly create it up here and then hopefully explain it in a way that really resonates with you. So, let's talk about trust. Trust is what you need with the buyer it's what you need with colleagues that you work with it's what you need with your partners your friends your family because if you're trustworthy you are far more likely to get what you want when you want it in an appropriate way so in order for you to have trust there are three component parts to this the first one credibility credibility stick to the kind of world of category management at the moment so credibility this is going to come from the knowledge that you've got the experience that you've got, the things that you say and do, and the way in which you, um, <clears throat> the way in which you communicate, uh, the understanding you've got of the category. So, if you've got credibility, you are far likely, far more likely to have a high level of trust. So, first one's credibility. Making sense? Thumbs up, Nathan. Good. Two thumbs up. Loving it. Credibility. Second one. Reliability. Reliability is about the. Commitments that you give and how you follow up on them. So, if you say, Yes, I'm going to get you that report by five o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, and they don't get it until 11 o'clock on Friday evening, they will see you as less reliable. So, it's about the commitments that you give, the deadlines that you commit to, um, and it's really about helping them to see that if you say and you're going to commit to do something, that you're reliable enough to ensure that it absolutely happens. We've so got credibility reliability and the third part just going to fit it in next to where my head's going to be intimacy appropriate intimacy. this is how well you know the person how well the person knows you so if you take those um times at the appropriate moment to discuss something you may have in common that could be going running or swimming or an interest in a certain sport or activity that you do you have those connections you have Intimacy, appropriate intimacy. You get to know people. You consider those people in your world, either professionally or personally, who you trust, and those who you don't trust. I can pretty much guarantee that you will typically put it back to one of these three factors as to whether you've got high trust or you'd like more trust. Making sense so far, Nathan? Credibility, reliability, and intimacy. Okay. <clears throat> there are numerators are uh, below the line are something called self-orientation. Um, I'm gonna simply sum this up as ego. It's how much you talk about yourself versus how much you're prepared to listen to others. Um, so for example, if I came into this webinar and I was only talking about all the experience I've got, how great the company, uh, how great a company we are, how marvelous I am, how nice my shirt is, and I talk about only about me, I could come across potentially as being rather egotistical. If I take time to interact with my audience, ask them how they are, how they're feeling, what they're up to, what's on their mind at the moment, I can balance that ego off and make it less about me and more about them and getting that balance. So no matter how good you are at the credibility, reliability and intimacy part, um, that can be diluted if you have a big ego and your self-orientation is very, very um, only about you. So for you, my challenge back today is to consider those four areas, both for yourself initially, um, I know, rank them out of 10. Am I personally, am I a a nine out of 10 here, a four out of 10 here, a six out of 10 here, zero out of 10 here? Start to figure out where you could potentially increase your trust by dialing up or dialing down certain parts of this formula. As I said, credibility is about uh, the experience and the knowledge you've got, reliability about commitments that you give to timescales and intimacy, how well uh, that person knows you and how much you're prepared to get to know them. Let me pause for a second there. Nathan, um, come in, is that working for you? It's working for you, I'm hoping it's working for our audience today.
0: And you know what, for me it's working absolutely fine but and I'm going to put this question out to everybody who's here now. Rate yourself one to ten. CRI, so in each of those areas rate yourself on a one to ten right now in the questions box so you can start to really bring this to life in your own eyes and make it visible okay how credible are you one terrible 10 phenomenal how reliable how how much what level of intimacy do you have with your main buyers think about one of the buyers you're working with one of the supermarkets and answer those questions now and while you're doing that you know it's, it's the way that we create sales is through no like and trust so when someone knows you personally your content when they like what they're seeing you're creating that trust but then that trust as you say comes from that credibility reliability and intimacy and depending on where you're scoring yourself in each of those three areas comes out of knowing your supermarket understanding your shopper and being able to turn that stuff into opportunities it works in all three of them you know credibility knowing your shop and knowing your supermarket reliability turning that into opportunities to actually uh, hit the mark in those spaces and having the intimacy with the people that you're connecting with to actually go and reflect on those things to make sure it's working and and working to build each other up including yourself and the the buyer them as well i agree nathan and
1: putting on that um, point i made on uh, back on day one last week when we talked about the pie chart Account managers taking care of a slice of the pie. Category manager is taking care of the whole pie or the whole category. One of the key parts of a category manager's role is to be seen as independent for the category. They're there to grow the category, not just their slice, where the buyer or sort of the account managers are often just seen for the needs of their own business. Absolutely key. But if that category manager is there, coming across as independent, I'm going to grow this category no matter what, and they've got trust, they're on to an absolute win-win. Um, it's just their recommendations are going to be far higher far more likely taken on board uh, they're going to be listened to far more um, and they start to become the kind of the buyer's best friend their eyes and ears on the high street so to speak
0: there you go I'll mute. so you, then you mentioned yeah the, the previous sessions that we've also done um i'm just putting that into the chat box below now there is a link there that will link you back to the previous session. Also, that link will take you to the future session. So if you haven't registered for tomorrow's, there is the opportunity to get in for tomorrow's session and also share that back with any other colleagues that may benefit from this. Thanks for reminding me to do that, Andrew.
1: No problem
0: good so what's next then what else is going to help us to get more of these opportunities to the supermarket okay so what
1: we typically see that when people are selling or trying to influence or trying to get their uh, recommendations across the line it comes back to typically one of three things either their presentation style is wrong their relationship's wrong or their content's wrong Um, well I just think that this starts to take care of some of the relationship pieces the other bit we can look at is then the presentation style Um, talked about it yesterday uh, so suppliers going in with 120 slides, with half an hour or so to bang through it all, they've lovingly created it, millions of charts, tables, and graphs, um, but the buyers switched off. That's, that's too much to take in. What we're looking then to do is to present in a way that resonates with the audience, whether that's one person or multiple people, um, and in a way that's just going to work for them. So we typically build a presentation how we would like to receive a presentation yet yeah, we've all got very different um, uh, very different styles and we've all got very different ways of thinking and communicating and making decisions. So why I'm not going to get into it too much now, I'm going to introduce something called the HBDI, the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument Model, Now, we're going to be covering this in a couple of weeks if it's of interest. Uh, there's lots of the psychometric tests out there, Myers-Briggs, Belbin, Insights, there's a whole host. I'm going to use this one today just because it's quick and easy for you guys to understand, and hopefully, allows you to again consider doing your presentations differently and maybe not in your default style, which is how you'd like to receive it. So, we got a little bit of blue Peter. here. Here's one I prepared earlier. Okay. Two minute overview on the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument it's based um, on the understanding of your brain effectively you've got a left hand and a right hand quadrant and you've got upper and lower mode cerebral mode and the limbic mode at the bottom it's more of a metaphor than a true reflection of our brain but what it allows us to do is understand our preferences to each of these four quadrants of which we have them nathan yesterday mentioned that i was very very blue i deal with facts figures i'm very analytical very mathematical problem solving comes very naturally so the blue quadrant's about facts Whereas, say, the green quadrant, this is quite hard to that's right? The green quadrant is about form. So people with a high preference here um, see stuff in a very chronological order, super organized um, and able to break things down into a structure and want to see the sequence of things. So we've got facts, form, we come around to our red quadrant. This is about feelings. So people here with a high preference have a fantastic ability of communication huge interpersonal skills and they've got the finger on the pulse of the team so they know if people are up or down, feeling happy or sad and that bothers and that matters to them. They're the people that um, will ask you how your weekend was as opposed to those people that are coming on a Monday morning and uh, just get stuck in. There's our red people. Our yellow people. Um, yellow is about future. They are brilliant ideas people. Um, holistic conceptual thinkers. Um, don't necessarily live in the here and now but it's far more about the future as I said, we're going to get into this in a lot more detail in a couple of weeks' time. But to take away today, we can use all of our brain. That's the key bit. But we do have preferences to a certain uh, area or group of areas. And to this point, so will your audience. So as I said, we would typically create a presentation in our own stuff. So for me, typically I would create a presentation that's full of too much detail, too many facts, too many tables, and maybe not utilise some of the other areas you won't always know who your audience is and you may well have a mixed room so my suggestion is try and get a tick into each of these boxes to consider am i doing stuff in the blue box am i doing stuff in the green box am i doing stuff in the yellow box am i doing stuff in the red box what does that look like in reality break it down this is about the what what is this what's the problem here they, people want precise facts and detail this is about the how yeah. so they're going to want to see a presentation that naturally unfolds doesn't jump around too much. And it's a bit like a book. It's got various chapters, a start, a middle, and an end, in which case your presentation's got to unfold like that. These guys also value things like punctuality, structure. I've read people, they're going to need to feel enthusiastic about stuff. So if you're presenting and you think your audiences are read, bring it to life. Make sure you're getting that eye contact. Make sure you're getting that backwards and forwards communication. People really want to feel enthusiastic. And to this point, they're going to want to know the who. Who's involved in this? What's the impact going to be? We're only talking about a new product and we're only talking about the product and we're not talking about the impact that product could have on our customers who are missing a big chunk of it. So we've got what, how, who, and then for the the yellow people in the room, why? What? What's this about? These guys prefer concepts and metaphors and stories to bring things to life. It's why when you attend our learning lunches. Some things will resonate with you more than others because that just naturally kind of comes into where you are. So, to that point, we may not know who our audience is all the time, but we can at least uh, play the odds and get a tick in each of these boxes. Has my presentation got an appropriate level of facts? And is answering the the what? Um, does my presentation cover the how and unfold in a, a sensible order that people can follow? Am I taking into account the who? And ensuring the impact on people and I'm doing the people thing and so our yellows why have I got enough imagery in there I've got enough concepts and um uh, bringing this uh, to life with maybe a bit more kind of fun okay appreciate we're going at pace here let me pause for a second Nathan you're my um uh, you're my temperature check is that working for you hopefully it's working for everyone else it works
0: for me and it's one of those things that takes practice when you're doing a presentation or you're working in an audience it's about you know doing that stuff know your supermarket are the people that you're presenting to in that supermarket are they a lot of blue and analytical types we we work with certain clients where they are very dominant in this space um then the other side you might go in there with people that are very kind of results focused and they're very future orientated but not looking at just getting a flavor getting that intimacy level of understanding who your client is who your audience is The bit though that I always say is absolutely critical, is understanding who you are. Understanding who you bring to that presentation because you're blue, I'm kind of very yellow with a lot of red stuck in there as well. But when I go in there, okay, actually am I coming with too much future? Am I coming with too much emotion? Am I losing the analytical, organized people? So when I understand who I am and what I'm bringing, then I can understand what I'm dialing up and what I'm dialing down in order to hit as many of those um, those hot buttons as it were for each of those different groups. So my question to the, audience, I to, say to the audience, I'm going to ask this question to the audience now is where do you think you fit on those four quadrants and if you've done any other profiling or HP, where are you? What is your preference? What do you need to know to dial up and dial down in order to get your message across in the best possible way? And actually, right. I'll just just saying that, do you know what? I've just got the HBDI profile um, link there. You know what, if you haven't had a profile done and it's something you feel that you would benefit from, there is a link in the chat box for you. Um, you can go and have a look at that as well and we can arrange that for you. Absolutely, I think you
1: summed it up nicely there, but also maybe without realizing it. So Ned Herman, who actually developed this model, um, decades and decades ago said by first understanding yourself you can learn to value and appreciate others and I think he hits a nail on the head and exactly your point as well if we understand ourselves we can then start to appreciate and understand others um, and it's first about having that self-awareness and then starting to be very mindful about um
0: about our audience yeah know thyself I think that was Socrates a couple of thousand years beforehand um yeah. coming. come the question does like attract like um well, Andy and I know, this it, and I'm gonna jump in with this one because I think it's funny. And more often than not, it, especially in significant relationships, it tends not to be in the majority of my experiences. Um, we tend to get the polar opposites because that's what we demand in order to actually grow as human beings is we need to have that reflection of ourselves in order to see ourselves a little bit more clearly quite often. Um, what are your thoughts, Andy?
1: Yeah, so a couple of thoughts on this. Um... One, we typically, the like versus like tends to happen because people are on the same, let's call it a wavelength. So blue people talking to blue people or red people talking to red people are just on the same wavelength. So communication tends to be quite free-flowing because you're coming and looking out um, on the world with a similar pair of eyes. So yes, conversation is free-flowing. It can sometimes be a little bit competitive, so blues can try and out-blue each other or reds can try and out-red each other. But to your point, um, Nathan, as well, um, mentioned I'm blue, my wife, super red, really red. So, all of those kind of cliches of opposites attract and chalk and cheese come into play. Um, when we argue, one going off a tangent here, but when we argue, I'm arguing with fact and logic in a very calm, non emotional way. But she's coming from the red quadrant, it's very emotional. So, she's screaming and shouting at me, tears coming down her face, frying pan in hand. So, We absolutely go head to head when we do stuff like that because we're very, very different. And that is a slightly made up story. frying pan's the only bit that's not true. Um, So yes, opposites attract, but flipping that what sounds like quite a negative into a positive, we complement each other perfectly. And if I play that out into my professional and other parts of my personal world, I can work out who I can work with and what I need to do. It's just that me making effort to dial things up and dial things down. I'm super blue, but yet I'm a trainer. I've got to do the red stuff, I've got to do the enthusiasm, the eye contact, the smiles, the eyes, the lot. I can do it. It just takes me a bit more effort, which means I can just be a little bit more tired at the end of the day, but it doesn't become limiting. So I don't hide behind my blue and say, sorry, I can't do that stuff. I just need to make more effort um, to, to, to dial up. And we can all do that. It's about self-awareness and then making differences. So like versus like, yes. And at the same time, there's that flip um, side of the coin where we can then start to complement and bring out the best in each other.
0: I think that's the vital part is yes we do that to complement each other and when we look at ourselves in a corporate space if we end up with too many of the same kind of of thinking of, of color preference or whatever in one group we can find actually that things slow down because like you say people are trying to out blue each other or out yellow each other but you haven't got that enough of that variance in order to make certain things happen me being yellow my significant other actually is in that green quadrant is about being organized you know she also has that red element so that's where we kind of meet but if i'm always thinking yellow i'm not thinking about the here and now with a little bit of grounded you know i'm always going to have my head in the clouds yeah. uh, so it, it's absolutely vital in our corporate and our workspaces that we have that mixture but as leaders as trainers as whatever is that we're honoring those people in those colors and in those spaces and encouraging them to be that So that actually we can get the best of it out of the out of the hole
1: yeah if I cast my mind back 15-20 years a brilliant example here Sainsbury's as a retailer was very very blue so they were all about the detail all about the here and now and when they were interviewing people for positions at head office or wherever it would be it's a common point like would attract like so people will be doing interviews with people and going just like this person let's get them in and so they were perpetualizing the problem making more and more blue people so they started to lose their way and things started to slow down and then if you think about the Justin King era he came in Sainsbury's direction completely changed try something new today that was like well that's not at all Sainsbury's that's quite creative and a bit out there and he bought that yellow he bought that different vision that different way of thinking and then the whole business kind of started to evolve around that and went in a very very different direction so light can attract like and when for example when you're doing job interviews Maybe employ the person that makes you feel most uncomfortable. You think it's a little bit different, a little bit weird, because they are going to bring something very different to what maybe you have already within your business. Um, they're not weird. They may see us as weird and vice versa. And that's the whole point around understanding the tolerances that we then need. Because We can do all of this stuff, but yet we will still judge people and we can start to reduce that so much more by just understanding that, you know what, we will look at the world with very different eyes at times.
0: And our ethics and our principles and morals can be aligned. You know, our purpose for whatever the business is and how we work can be absolutely aligned. How we go about it it can absolutely be different. Uh, And you need that variety, you need that eclectic mix to actually win in business. And it's when we get into those cognitive biases, often referred to as the horns and halos effect, when we go into an interview, oh, they're just like me, they must be great. And I've fallen foul to that. And I thought, you know, this guy would be you know be amazing I'm going to recruit him why because he thinks like I do he approaches the world like I do um, I think I could work with him I see some challenges he hasn't ended up working with me he ended up working with another leader and that relationship just fell to fell apart within six weeks and, you know there was huge clashes of personality you know but I was sitting there thinking oh this person's you know I could work with this person but actually it's not you know when you're recruiting people it's not it, it can't be like that you can't go on that bias for yourself because you, you're not going to be in that job forever. They're not going to be working with you forever. So we need to get clear on okay, are the morals and ethics aligned? What's this person bringing and what's their character like to learn, to make that come to life? Absolutely. I'm over of time, though, Nathan. Where, where are we at? Yes. How long have we got? 24 minutes past. So look, we've covered the trust model. We've looked at a little bit of the kind of the HBDI concept as well of how we you know we get a little bit more self-aware with ourselves when we when we come into that open questions to the audience. What questions have you got for Andy right now? Um, and get those in. What else do we need to be thinking about before those questions come in, if any? And if you haven't got any questions, just say no questions. And that gives us a flag that we know we've hit the mark today.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's about, you know, we're moving a lot through this funnel at a fast pace. We're skimming the surface on stuff. And I'm hoping it's leaving people hungry to, to want to know more. Maybe um, a little bit frustrated because they, they're desperate for more in the moment to take away maybe the trust model if that was new what's more um, consider how they're putting together their presentation that's two things in half an hour it could be quite powerful um, just know that there's a, a myriad of other things that can be considered and, and you know what we'd love to have those conversations with you
0: uh, amazing and we, we would one of those things that you know we covered some high-level stuff in there so you know there's, there's enough there to get your teeth into there's also enough there to go down a rabbit hole and have a look I've just shared the link for the MBM coaching cards as well as you can find the category management coaching cards. there. So if you're working in category management, if you've got a team of people doing this or account managers that could use some of these skills, there is a pack there for the category management coaching cards. It's five pounds for that pack, huge value for what you're going to get out of that. That helps you to dig in some of the questions that we've covered here today as well it doesn't look like we've got any questions coming interesting sample of a future session signed up thank you Colin appreciate it no questions thanks good guys good food for thought today you're absolutely welcome look if we can help you if Andy can help you if MBM can help you you saw the maths yesterday you know if we can you know find those potential millions of pounds in category management opportunities that may be being missed if we can do this for you now is the time to have a conversation now is the time to get in contact with the MBM, to get in contact with Andy and see where that conversation goes to support you either creating the opportunity or protecting the ones you've already got. Prime time to make that happen. Andy, thanks very much for today. really appreciated. What are we covering tomorrow? So what I'm looking
1: at is kind of selling the opportunities is half the problem. The other half of the problem is landing the opportunity, so it's making sure that it hits the stores in a way that it becomes sustainable and there for as long as we want it to. So tomorrow is absolutely about landing those opportunities in store. Um, it starts to draw us to the end of this funnel where we've been successful in our presentations and our sales. Uh, we've now got to make sure those final few yards uh, are equally as successful and we get it out there and sell it.
0: Phenomenal, look, thanks very much everyone for being here. Really appreciate the time, the engagement and your attention uh, to this content. Andy, thanks very much for day and we'll see everybody tomorrow. Thanks very much. Have a great day, everyone.